welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, podcasts, articles, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Lots of things to get to, lots of things to react to over the weekend as we'll get into some NFL playoff talks and the controversies that followed along with it. Some things going on with the Razorback football program and a nice deed made by Chad Morris. But we have to start with the Arkansas Razorback basketball team losing their fourth straight. Fourth straight game. First time in Mike Anderson's tenure at Arkansas that they have lost four straight. And it was not a pretty game against Ole Miss. Arkansas was never in the lead, never had a lead, never really was even close to being in the lead. And it was just a great performance by Ole Miss and a subpar performance by Arkansas. Like, I, I watch this game for some reason, and I look at the box score at the end, and when I see Embry Simpson and Gabe Osaboyan as the leading scorers for Arkansas, I think that kind of tells you the whole story of what exactly happened in this game. It was just bad. And I know that we've come on this podcast and we've discussed it, I know a lot of you have tweeted to me about it and about the problems that – arise with this program and the problems that you have with it currently. And I understand all of it. I get it. It's frustrating right now. But there was a lot of different things that I approached it to, approach-wise. Now, I have been critical of Mike Anderson. I think that people who have valid criticisms of Mike Anderson are just that. They're valid. They're legitimate. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong if you have concerns or if you feel like Mike Anderson has plateaued and maybe that there needs to be a change that should be made. Uh, but I've always said, and you've heard me say it before on this podcast, that I will always judge coaches off of seasons, never off of games, never off of stretches of games. It's always going to be about what can they do to finish off the season. And for the most part, Mike Anderson's teams have always finished off strong. But this year, they're looking at having a po- possibly having a losing record for the first time in Mike Anderson's tenure, not only at Arkansas, but his first time as a head coach in his history. And so now I'm starting to really wonder what the move is here. What's the next step? Because not only am I watching this team lose, but I'm watching this team that has an NBA quality player in Daniel Gafford on it. Go into games and go into matchups with no plays, no game plan, no strategy, no nothing. It, it looks like they're just completely lost. There's a lot of freestyle, go with the flow of the game, try to run them out type of style, which can be extremely sexy when it's working. But when you run into a team that's well coached, a team that has obviously got a scattering report on you and a team that slows you and throws you off of your Game, you have to look back at fallback options. And Arkansas does not have that. They don't have a fallback option. They don't have a backup plan. They don't have a plan B. They have nothing. They are what they are, and then if you beat them the way that they're trying to play, then they have no answer for you. And that's concerning. And the more that these games go on and the more that the season goes on, it really starts to make me wonder... Is, it, is this the beginning of the end for Mike Anderson at Arkansas? As much as I hate to say it, and I do hate to say it, I hate to say that Mike Anderson isn't getting the job done at Arkansas because he's done a lot of great things. 
He's taken Arkansas and put them in a great position now compared to where they were when he took over. He's been a great ambassador for the University of Arkansas. He's done nothing but show respect and love for the school and for all the fans and everything. I mean, it's just it sucks to even have this conversation. And I know there's a lot of games left. There's a lot of season left. But just going off of the assumption that the season continues on the way that it's been looking, which has been horrendous, I I sit here and I legitimately wonder if something doesn't need to give, if something doesn't need to change. And even if it's not just Mike Anderson, coaching staff changes, something. Because here in year eight, you look back at the Mike Anderson tenure at Arkansas, and there's been some good moments, but there's also been some missed opportunities. There's been some times where we felt like the team was better than what they showed. And for whatever reason, Mike Anderson's never, besides one year, I would say, one year, the Bobby Portis year, you really haven't had a team with depth, with talented bench play. I mean, I think back to that Bobby Portis team. Your, your starting lineup, more often than not, was Kai Madden at the point guard, which was a senior experienced guard. Say what you want about him, but the guy hit free throws. He'd hit some threes, and he was a decent player. You had him, and then you had Michael Qualls. You had Bobby Portis. You had Alandis Harris, and you had Anton Beard. True freshman Anton Beard. That was your starting five for the most part of the season. And then coming off the bench, you had Moses Kingsley. You had Ja'Cory Williams. You had Anthlon Bell. You had a Jabril Durham, who also came off the bench, and people forget that he played on that team, but he did. You had some other pieces, some other guys that would be able to step right in and make some plays if they needed to. And... Mike Anderson hasn't had that since. He hasn't even had anything close to that, even resembling a complete team. And for Mike Anderson's system and his philosophies to work, you have to have that. And I understand that there are things that come into play, like transfers, players leaving, players going for the draft early. You know, things happen. And that's why it's not only just concerning about what this season's going to have, but why it's concerning for the years to come under Mike. Daniel Gafford's going pro after this year. And you're going to have the same team next season minus Daniel Gafford. Now, I'm sure there'll be some transfers. I doubt you'll have any major big-time transfers come in. But this is going to be your team next season. You're adding Justice Hill, maybe, if he sticks with basketball. But that's it. That's all. Where's that light at the end of the tunnel? Where's the big-time player or big-time recruiting glass? Where are those that you can point to to say that this is how it's going to turn around? This is how Mike's going to get it going. Once he gets this guy in, once he gets these guys in, it's all going to be different. It's all going to be a change for the better. I don't see it. Because next season, even though these guys may have another year to develop, I mean, you're not going to have anybody to play post. You're going to have Reggie Cheney and Gabo Saboyan. Those are going to be your bigs down low? That ain't going to work. You don't have elite guard play. You don't have the Daryl Makins. You don't have the Dusty Hannes, the Jalen Barford. You don't have those guys. You don't have a Moses Kingsley, Bobby Portis, or Daniel Gafford next year. You don't have a Michael Qualls. You don't have any of that. And so I'm really concerned 
the more I'm watching this team about the future. And some of you will say, well, welcome to the club, John. And I get that. And again, there's a lot of season left. Things can change. I doubt they will, but things can change. But it's concerning for me to not only see the team struggle, but seeing the team struggle with everything. Coaching, playing, chemistry, defense, offense, decision-making, fundamentals. They're struggling with everything right now. And it starts to make you wonder if Hunter Juracek, the athletic director at Arkansas, is going to do anything about it. He's not been in Arkansas for very long, just a little over a year. That might be the next big thing that he has to do. He hasn't had to hire a coach. He did not hire Chad Morris. Chad Morris was hired before he even came on. So the next big move for Hunter Juracek may be, have to be a decision on the basketball program. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know what he would do. And I don't know whatever he did would be the best thing and be better than what Mike Anderson had. Those are just all the unknowns, the mystery. But you can't be a prisoner of fear. Be scared of not being able to be better than what you are now. You have to be able to make sure that your program gets elevated in any way you can make it elevated. If you feel like this is the plateau, that this is just where it's going to be under Mike Anderson, there's no other things you can do then it's time to make that change if that's what you believe and if that's what Hunter Juracek believes and that's what the administration believes, that it's time to go a different direction. If that's how they feel, then they better do it. And if they do it, they better make the right decision because this is a Razorback basketball program that's a very proud program and they can't afford to have any more John Pelfries walk through those doors. Go get you an established coach that'll bring excitement. And if you got to pay him $5 million a year, then so be it. It's worth it. Make Arkansas Razorback basketball great again. I don't know if Mike Anderson's that answer or not, but you got to make it great again, and you got to make it great again right now. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I uh, watched the NFL playoffs, AFC and NFC championship game, which I'm sure a lot of you did over the weekend, and the controversies that followed with both games in a way. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have, are aware of it. If you've been following on social media or watching SportsCenter or anything like that, you're probably very familiar with all the problems that have arose from these two games. And I want to start with the NFC title game because that was the first one that was played. Between the Saints and the Rams. There was a blatantly missed pass interference call that went against the Saints. Saints had the ball with under two minutes to go. Tied game. They had a third down play. Drew Brees throws a pass, and his wide receiver is obliterated well before the ball even gets close to the wide receiver. And the defender for the Rams wasn't even looking for the ball. It might have been the most blatant, horrible, just unconscionable missed call I have seen in NFL playoff history. It was horrible. So anyways, Saints don't get the call. They kick a field goal. They're up by three. The ball goes back to the Rams with about a minute, 
minute and a half left. Drive down the field, kick field goal, send it to overtime. And in overtime, Drew Brees throws a pick. Rams get the ball back, kick another field goal, and win it. Now they're in the Super Bowl. People have been har- you know, really harping on this play and that missed pass interference call, which I agree. I mean, it, it's you're talking about legacies that are being tarnished here, being changed. Drew Brees could be playing in the Super Bowl right now and probably should. He should be in the Super Bowl right now, but he's not. The Saints should be in the Super Bowl, but they're not because of a blatantly missed call. And I have a problem with the NFL and a lot of the things that they do. And I, when I see this call, I, I'm infuriated. I'm not even a Saints fan. In fact, I was kind of rooting for the Rams, if you want to know the truth. It's between me and you. But I'm no Saints fan, so I had no dog in the fight. And then I see that play call, and I'm like, man, I feel sorry for the Saints. I'd be irate. I'd be just disgusted with myself and with the whole situation if I was a Saints fan. But then after my outrage, I'd sit back and I'd say, you know, what can you do in this situation, folks? I mean, seriously, what can you do? A human made an error. A referee made an error. What can be done? You want to punish the referee? Okay, then what? What does that get you? Satisfaction, maybe. But it's just one of those really unfortunate plays. And that official will be reprimanded. I don't know what punishment he'll get. I don't know if he'll be able to work another playoff game. I don't know what exactly is going to come from it. That him and the officiating crew, not just one referee, but multiple ones. I don't know what's going to happen to him, but it's when I watch that, it's it just, I get it. it. It infuriates you, but I don't know what you can do about it. And it's just really unfortunate that Drew Brees and the Saints don't get to play in the Super Bowl because of that, because of such a blown, awful, terrible missed call. And again, I'm no Saints fan, but imagine if that was the Arkansas Razorbacks. Just how would you feel? You probably felt a little bit, close to that in the 2009 Florida game with officiating, but just imagine you being in the college football semifinal, college football playoff semifinal. All you got to do is run the clock out a little bit. You're in field goal range, and if you kick a field goal, you win it, but then a blatant miss pass interference call doesn't get had, and then everything changes. Imagine how you'd feel. You'd be irate. But what can you do? Nothing. Sit there and take it like a man. That's the only thing I know how to do. So that was a controversy in that play. The other controversy, and some people may not see it as such, but I do, was the ending to the Patriots and Chiefs game, where the Patriots do get the victory. It was a great game, great game between the Chiefs and the Patriots that got sent to overtime. I mean, we got blessed with two overtime games. And it was such a great matchup. You had the young guy and Patrick Mahomes making plays. You had the GOAT, Tom Brady, making plays. I mean, it was everything that you could have asked for and more, except for one thing. Something that has bothered me for a long time, and it's going to continue to bother me. Overtime rules in the NFL are crap. They're crap. They are not fun. They are not enjoyable. They are not entertaining. And frankly, they're not fair. They're not. The Patriots won the coin toss yesterday after these back-and-forth games. It's back and forth game between Chiefs and Patriots in regulation. The Patriots won the toss. They received. They drove it down. They scored a touchdown. The game is over. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense doesn't even get a chance. Doesn't even get an opportunity. 
that's robbery. That's blasphemous that that is the way a game should end. And I'm not just saying this because it's the Patriots and Tom Brady getting there. I'm saying it because I have felt this way for so many years. And this just amplifies and magnifies my point with this game. It was egregious. I don't know how anyone can watch the end of that Patriots game and Chiefs game and not be a Patriots fan and feel satisfied that she, you know, that's the way it should have ended. Patrick Mahomes didn't deserve, yeah, I mean, he didn't deserve to have the ball in his hands at the very end. Yeah. Well, his defense, the, the Chiefs' defense is a team game. They got to step up. Okay. But let me ask you, if the roles were reversed, if the Chiefs just went down and scored on the Patriots' defense, you don't you don't think that there wouldn't be any outrage? That Tom Brady didn't even get the ball in his hands to win it? I have never in my life heard anyone say at the end of a college football overtime game that they were dissatisfied with the outcome because of overtime rules. Not once have I heard anyone say that. I'm not saying the NFL has to be exactly like college football, but they can learn a thing or two from them. I like how in college football, each team gets opportunities to make plays. And it's the one team that one makes that one extra play that gets the victory. That's what overtime's all about, and that's what makes it fun. But again, it doesn't have I wish that the NFL would adapt more towards the college game and their overtime rules, but it have to be exact for instance, I think it would be fun, and I'm just spitballing here. I think it would be fun if in the NFL each team gets it at the 50-yard line instead of the 25. And they have to drive down the field. Or each team gets it at the 30-yard line, but there's no first downs. You get four chances from 30 yards out. You either score or take a field goal. I think that'd be awesome. Or maybe there's no extra points in the NFL. Like just something where you have to elevate it and make it more of a professional game. Make it more competitive. Make it tougher. Because what I saw at the end of the Patriots and Chiefs game was the most unsatisfying way to end a game that was so great leading up to that point. It has to change. It has to. And if you were listening to this and you're not an NFL fan, that's fine. I kind of don't want to be after seeing games like this. But I am just... If I, I'm looking at it from the perspective of the best thing for the game and the best thing for football and for both teams and all of that. It just left me wanting more. It was brutally unsatisfying. And it didn't even seem like, because like, some people were also coming after me and saying, college football overtime isn't football anymore. It's like a completely different game. Okay. So? Since when is the first person to score a touchdown wins? When's that? Since when is that football? It's not. The only, I mean, there's a few sports other than, because football is unique in its own way. Football is not like baseball or basketball where you can just continue playing the same format of the game and it end up being okay. It's not that way. It can't be that way. And if it is, Maybe they should try something like where it's a 10 minute overtime period and you just play and whoever has the you know most points at the end wins. Guarantee a 10 minute period. I, maybe something like that. I don't know. But there's got to be something better than what we're seeing right now because 
that was just a very unsatisfying and pathetic way for the AFC championship to come to a close. And I wish that there was something that can be done about it. Who knows? Maybe there will be. But I think Roger Goodell's got his hands full plenty with all the other controversies going on over the weekend. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You know, there's a few things that happened over the weekend in the football side of things for Arkansas. Uh, Chad Morris salted his roads. <laughs> Not only the ones leading up to his house, but his entire neighborhood so he could get his rec- the recruits and their parents to their social event that was going on in his house. Recruiting is everything in Chad Morris, and apparently it's not even above him to go down to Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever, pick up a few bags of rock salt, and pour them out there in the road to get everybody to the neighborhood safe and sound. Pretty amazing what he's trying to do. Also, Taylor Edwards, Arkansas's director of recruiting, has left Arkansas and is now going on to Maryland. I don't know what impact this is going to have, but I feel like it's got to not help, right? I mean, anytime you lose somebody like this, it's got to be a little bit alarming well not alarming i wouldn't say but you gotta feel like it's gonna have some impact i guess it depends on who they get in there i don't know what he, the guy does day in and day out i don't know how much impact he has in recruiting but i do know him leaving and the good job that arkansas has done has you know was pretty pretty intense and also the final one john scott the defensive tackle coach for arkansas is leaving i thought that was really surprising but he's going to south carolina so we thought that we were retaining all their coaches. Nope. Got to replace a couple of them. No big deal, though. I don't see those as ones you can't replace, but it's definitely something that needs to be talked about, and we'll see who they get to replace them. That is for sure. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter, and we will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.